Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, November 8th, 2020. And this is the Defender Bible Study. Today we are continuing our study on the book of Ezekiel and we'll specifically be looking at Ezekiel chapter 44. And as we look at Ezekiel chapter 44, we still find ourselves in the midst of Ezekiel's vision of the temple. However, today we see a vision of who may enter into the temple along with a contrast of two distinct priests. As we read this prophecy, it's key to remember that prophecy is both partial and progressive. And as time passes, the fulfillment of the prophecy many times takes on a distinct purpose, both for the original hearers as well as for the future hearers. So Ezekiel 44 for the original audience was to show the people that the priest of Zadok would be rewarded for their faithfulness, while the Levitical priest would bear the consequence of their sin. The Levites wandered away from and strayed from God after their idols. The priests who were descended from Zadok, however, kept charge of God's sanctuary when the Israelites went astray from God. But then we also see this prophecy today is being fulfilled in the lives of God's people. And it's a warning for us to remain distinct and set apart like the priest of Zadok. While as we see the Levites lost the distinction of doing the work of the Lord, the priests of Zadok were able to participate in God's word. And so my prayer is that as a people and that for Lifeline as a ministry, that we will be set apart and distinct and will be able to do the work of the Lord. And so as we read Ezekiel chapter 44, keep the words of 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 5 and 9 in mind. 1 Peter 2.5 says, You yourself, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And 1 Peter 2.9 reminds us, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So beloved, when we see the Lord tell Ezekiel who can enter, know that the only one who can enter are those who have been made eternally clean and holy by the great high priest. And so we are the priest. We are the tabernacle. We are the temple. Christ Jesus has set forth his spirit in us. And that's why for us that are the future hearers of Ezekiel chapter 44, this prophecy, this word is for us. And so the question is, will we be distinct and set apart for the work of the Lord? Or will we wander after idols and the things of this world? Ezekiel chapter 44, reading verses 1 through 31. Then he, being the Lord, brought me back to the outer gate of the sanctuary, which faces east, and it was shut. And the Lord said to me, The gate shall remain shut. It shall not be opened, and no one shall enter by it. For the Lord, the God of Israel, has entered by it. Therefore it shall remain shut. Only the prince may sit in it to eat before the Lord. He shall enter by way of the vestibule of the gate, and shall go out by the same way. 
Then he brought me by way of the north gate to the front of the temple, and I looked, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the temple of the Lord. And I fell on my face, and the Lord said to me, Son of man, mark well, see with your eyes and hear with your ears all that I shall tell you concerning all the statutes of the temple of the Lord and all its laws. And mark well the entrance to the temple and all the exits from the sanctuary. And say to the rebellious house, to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, O house of Israel, enough of all your abominations. And admitting foreigners uncircumcised in the heart and flesh to be in my sanctuary, profaning my temple when you offer to me my food, the fat and the blood, you have broken my covenant in addition to all your abominations. And you have not kept charge of my holy things, but you have set others to keep my charge for you in my sanctuary. Thus says the Lord God, no foreigner uncircumcised in heart and flesh of all the foreigners who are among the people of Israel shall enter my sanctuary. But the Levites who went far from me, going astray from me after their idols when Israel went astray, shall bear their punishment. They shall be ministers in my sanctuary, having oversight at the gates of the temple and ministering in the temple. They shall slaughter the burnt offering and the sacrifice for the people. They shall stand before the people to minister to them because they ministered to them before their idols and became a stumbling block of of iniquity to the house of Israel. Therefore, I have sworn concerning them, declares the Lord, and they shall bear their punishment. They shall not come near to me to serve me as priest, nor shall they Nor shall they come near any of my holy things and the things that are most holy, but they shall bear their shame and the abominations that they have committed. Yet I will appoint them to to keep charge of the temple, to do all of its service and all that is to be done in it. The Levitical priests, the sons of Zadok, who kept the charge of my sanctuary, when the people of Israel went astray from me, shall come near to minister to me, and they shall stand before me to offer me the fat and the blood, declares the Lord God. They shall enter my sanctuary, and they shall approach my table to minister to me, and they shall keep my charge. When they enter the gates of the inner court, they shall wear linen garments. They shall have nothing of of wool on them while they minister at the gates of the inner court within. They shall have linen turbans on their heads and linen undergarments around their waist. They shall not bind themselves with anything that causes sweat. And when they go out into the outer court to the people, they shall put off their garments in which they have been ministering and lay them in the holy chambers. And they shall put on other garments, lest they transmit holiness to the people with their garments. They shall not shave their heads, nor let their locks grow long. They shall surely trim the hair of their heads. No priest shall drink wine when he enters the inner court. They shall not marry a widow or a divorced woman, but only virgins of the offspring of the house of Israel, or a widow who is a widow of a priest." They shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the common and show them how to distinguish between the unclean and the clean. In a dispute, they shall act as judges and they shall judge it according to my judgments. They shall keep my laws and my statutes and my appointed feast and they shall keep my Sabbath holy. They shall not defile themselves by going near a dead person. However, for father or mother, son or daughter, brother or unmarried sister, they may defile themselves. After he has become clean, they shall count seven days for him. And on the day that he goes into the holy place, into the inner court to minister in the holy place, he shall offer his sin offering, declares the Lord God. This shall be their inheritance. I am their inheritance. And you shall give them no possession in Israel. I am their possession. They shall eat the grain offering, the sin offering, and the guilt offering, and every devoted thing in Israel shall be theirs. And the first of all the first fruits of all kinds, and every offering of all kinds from your offerings shall belong to the priest. You shall also give to the priest the first of your dough, that as a blessing may rest on your house. The priest shall not eat of anything, whether bird or beast, that has died of itself or is torn by wild animals. Oh, beloved, the first thing we see 
is at the east gate, the main entry to the temple to reach the Holy of Holies in the presence of God is shut. Think of the east gate like the front door of the temple. For emphasis, we see in the first two verses that it's repeated three times that the temple is shut. And whenever we see something like this repeated, we must take heed. Verse 1, it says, the gate was shut. Verse 2, the gate shall remain shut. And then therefore it shall remain shut. You see, we see from Ezekiel's prophecy, we see from what he is saying that the gate, the front door of the temple, the front door of the presence of God is shut. But then we see in verse 3 that only the high priest can now enter to get into that front door and get into the presence of the Lord. But that high priest not be in, must not be in open defilement of the Lord. So even amidst the the sinfulness and the, the, the pervasiveness of the wickedness of the people, God has made a way. It shuts, but verse 3 tells us that his prince will make a way. Who is the prince? The high priest. And as we know in Hebrews, Hebrews tells us that our great high priest is who? Jesus the king. So we see a, a, a glimpse right here in verse 3 of Jesus the king coming to be the prince. When it says only the prince may sit in it and eat the bread before the Lord, he shall shall enter by the way of the vestibule of the gate and shall go out by the same way. Oh, the high priest would, would once again be able to get access to the Holy of Holies, but do not miss it. Jesus is the great high priest who will give access once and for all to the word of God and to the Holy of Holies. Oh, so then we see that the Lord takes Ezekiel in verse four to the north gate. So if you're looking, the front door is the east gate and you're looking straight into the court that goes into the temple that goes into the Holy of Holies, the north gate would be on the right hand side. And that was the gate that who for those who had brought an offering to their sins. So this is the gate where sinners would come to make their offering for their sins, to make repentance for their sin. But don't miss in verse four what Ezekiel sees when he sees in the north gate. Remember, God has shut off his presence. All of Ezekiel has been about the the, the, the wickedness of the Israelites and how God is removing his presence and how God is judging them and, and how God is going uh, to, to, to give them condemnation. But you see this glimpse. Look at that. Ezekiel comes in. He looks at the north side and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Oh, the front door is shut, but the way to the side where you can be forgiven of your sin, the presence of the Lord is there. And Ezekiel saw the glory of the Lord filling the temple, and he fell face down, overwhelmed by the presence of God. With all of the detestable practices of Israel, God was showing that he would still be present with his people. How appropriate to remember during this season of 2020, when, when we have seen heartache and, and sickness, when we have seen division, when we are in the midst of an election season with two completely imperfect candidates, to know that no matter what happens, that God's presence is still with his people. God will make a way for his presence to be seen. God's presence among his people. But, but then the Lord gives Ezekiel all the regulations and instructions regarding entering the temple in verses 5 through 9. And, and the refrain is, not all may enter. 
not all may enter into the temple of the Lord. Mark well the entrance to the temple and all the exits, because not all may enter. And so even as we look at the latter part of Ezekiel chapter 44 and the work that we are distinct and set apart, we must first see this is our mission field. Those who are not able to enter into the temple, they are the ones that we need to go and take the gospel of grace and the good news of Christ Jesus to today. So if we see three categories of people that cannot enter into the temple, and the first are those committing abominations, verse 6. That was exceptionally loathsome, hateful, sinful, wicked, or vile, especially idolatry. Oh, oh, house of Israel, enough of all your abominations. Oh, idolatry, profaning the temple putting other things ahead of the Lord. So we need to take the gospel to those who are committing abominations, who are those who are trapped in their idolatry. But second, not all may enter, those who do not belong to the Lord. We see verse 7, this imagery of uncircumcised in heart and flesh. Now, remember, this, this verbiage would, would have hit the ears of the Israelites, would have hit the ears of Ezekiel and wondered, what does it mean, uncircumcised in the heart? We get that circumcision is a fleshly action. It's a physical action. What is it meant by uncircumcised in the heart? In other words, this is foreshadowing prophecy to say, as we see in the New Testament, that Jesus comes and says, I am circumcising your heart. I am marking you out by your heart. And so this is a, a prophecy to say there are those who do not know God who have not been marked by God. The priest in Solomon's temple had been lazy and hired out workers to do their jobs who were pagans and foreigners. And beloved, we are tempted to be lazy in the way we share the gospel as well. Are we presenting a message that's comfortable to the world but yet antithetical to Scripture? Are we presenting the word of God, believing in our power alone? Are we trusting in the all-sufficiency of God to do the work of salvation? Beloved, there are those who have never heard the good news of the gospel of Christ Jesus, and we are called to preach it. We are called to make it known. So not all may enter those who are committing abominations and those who do not belong to the Lord. But then third, not all may enter those who recklessly ignore the holiness of God with fake worship. You see this phrase, when you offer to me food. In other words, while worshiping, you are concerned with the holy things that the Lord entrusted. You're not concerned with those things that the Lord entrusted you. So when you offer to me food, when you offer to me the sacrifices and that worship, you are unconcerned about the things that are holy. You see, there are people today who call upon the name of the Lord out of culture and convenience, not out of love and surrender. And we must go to those people with the hope of the gospel, just like those who do not know him. Cultural Christianity is not a Christianity that will save. Oh, we must take the gospel, and this is our mission field. But then we see in verses 10 through 14 that the Levites were indifferent to the work of the Lord and being a part of God's restorative plan. They saw the mission field, they saw the call, but they were indifferent the Levitical priests chased after idols so that they would so now they would bear the consequence of their sin, verse 10. Because of their disobedience, they would lose the privilege to serve as priests. Instead, they would be temple guards and responsible for slaughtering the burnt offerings. 
They would remain close to the temple, almost in a way that God was saying, I'm reminding you what you have lost. You've lost my, my, the ability to come before me. You've lost the ability to, to, to plead on behalf of the people. God expects fruitfulness from his servants and will hold each of us accountable for the use of the resources and opportunities that he has entrusted us. As believers, we are all ministers and are all called to a life of purity and holiness. When everyone else runs away from God, we are to run to him. What is important to him should remain important to us. When it comes time to give an account for our time as servants, will ours be more of a rebuke like the idolatrous priest of Levi? Or, as we see in verses 15 through 31, will we be lives, will we be people that are devoted followers who are distinct and set apart for the work of the Lord, like the priest of Zadok? And we see in verses 15 and 31, these devoted followers, the priest of Zadok. Zadok was a Levite priest during the time of King David. For a long time, he was co-high priest with Abathar. Zadok was a descendant of Aaron and was a leader over the family of Levites. All of the priests had been loyal to King David during Absalom, his son's attempted coup. But when Abijah, David's other son, who assumed the kingship, trying to steal it from King Solomon, only Zadok the priest refused to compromise the holiness of God and the duties of the Lord, and he served Solomon. He did not serve Abinadjah. And the other priests followed Abinadjah, and although the Lord had told King David and had mentioned through King David that Solomon would be king, the king who would build the the everlasting dwelling place, the permanent dwelling place of the Lord who would build the temple. Zadok, therefore, is symbolic of the Christ follower who is steadfast to the work of the Lord and the call of the Lord. We see Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And so as we look at these priests of Zadok, I want us to see five distinctions from this passage of the priests of Zadok, but more importantly, I want us to see five distinctions from this passage of the Christ follower who is steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord. The first distinction we see is that our intimacy with God must be distinct. Look at the posture the Lord asks of the priest of Zadok in verses 15 through 16. He says, first, you will come near to me to minister to me. Oh, come near to me. And then he says, stand before me to offer me the fat and the blood. There's an intimacy in the posture of the priest of Zadok. Then he says, enter into my sanctuary. And he says, approach my table. Those who are steadfast to the work of God have intimacy with the Lord. Know many times that the work of the Lord is tiring and that you can grow weary with the oppression of the sinful world. But for those of us who are steadfast, we have the sweet intimacy of the Lord. Just like Jesus says in Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30, come to me, come to me. That same word that we see in Ezekiel chapter 44, verse 15, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and what I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Stand beside me, like we see in Ezekiel 44, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Oh, A distinction 
a Christ follower who's steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord is that our intimacy with God is distinct. But second, our appearance and lifestyle are distinct. One commentator said about all of the distinctions placed upon the priest of Zadok. He said this, for the Zadokites, access to God's presence meant heavy restrictions on their lifestyle. There were things they could not touch, places they could not go, food they could not eat, and clothes they could not wear if they were to minister in the presence of the all-holy God. So too for us. If we expect to experience the blessing of God's presence with us, then our lifestyle will be, from the world's perspective, restricted. Those who are doing the work of the Lord have no desire to entrap or ensnare themselves with the things of the world. At the end of his ministry, Paul tells Timothy it this way in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-5, through You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And then Paul tells the church at Colossae in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if any has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And so, those who are Christ followers, who are steadfast and movable and always abounding in the work of the Lord, our appearance and lifestyle will be distinct. But third, our mission will be distinct. We see in verses 23 and 24 that our mission is to teach the people the difference between the holy and the uncommon and to show them how to distinguish between the unclean and the clean. These verses show that the mission is to teach the difference between the things of God and the things of the world, the holy and the common. My son Caleb and I went camping several Fridays ago, and we saw the Lord truly bring out the starry host one by one. It reminded me of Isaiah chapter 40, and Caleb and I took a side and we read from Isaiah 40, and we looked at a devotional on the goodness of God as seen in creation. It reminded us as we looked over the cleft of a rock into a valley some 3,000 feet elevated that we are not here on earth to indulge in the gifts of God, but to worship Him through those gifts. Oh, as we looked out at the valley and looked out the magnificent world that the Lord had made, it reminded us this is just a picture of God's glory. And our mission is to show the evidences of God to our neighbor and to the nations while calling out sin, what, what Ezekiel says, unclean and clean, and leading them to repent and be reconciled to God. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Therefore we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So, from this passage, we see that the Christ follower who's steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord, their mission is distinct, but also our holiness before the Lord is distinct. 
This does not mean perfection or sinlessness, but this means we are purified, set apart, and consecrated by the blood of Christ. We see in verses 25 and 27 that we shall not defile ourselves, right? Because ultimately we are going into the holy place. Our holiness before the Lord is distinct. This is what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Oh, beloved, just like the priest of Zadok, now they would have this distinction of being an ambassador of the Lord for the people to go into the holy place and make an offering for the sins of the people. May our holiness before the Lord lead many to repentance in the Lord. We are not promised that this work will be peaceful and easy, oh, but we are given the very presence of Almighty God who guards us and keeps us holy. The fifth and last distinction from this passage of a Christ follower who's steadfast, immovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord is that our inheritance is distinct. Look at the precious words of verse 28. This shall be their inheritance. I, the Lord, am their inheritance. And you shall not give them a possession in Israel. I am their possession. The priest of Zadok would receive a perishable, an imperishable inheritance. They would not receive a deed to land that was temporary. No, they would receive a reward that was eternally valuable. They would receive the imperishable inheritance of Christ Jesus. Peter reminds us of this as well in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-4. through Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. And so, we have a distinct inheritance. And that inheritance is actually what fuels our mission. It's what fuels our work. It's what keeps us working in a way that's steadfast and movable and abounding in the Lord, our inheritance. You see, we understand that our work is not for temporary things, but for those that are eternal. So even as we look at 1 Corinthians 15, 58, and see the distinctions of, of those that are steadfast and movable and always abounding in the work of the Lord, if we skip up a few verses to 1 Corinthians 15, 53, we see for this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, because of your inheritance, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. The Christ follower who is steadfast to the work of the Lord will be distinct to God through their intimacy, their lifestyle, their mission, their holiness, and their inheritance. So beloved, 
Let us serve the Lord with distinction, set apart for the work of God. The love and kindness of the Lord is better than life, and so we make him known with every fiber of our being. Well, thanks for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. Today we are praying for the country of Uganda, and specifically for the government of Uganda, especially for leadership as they have seen recent corruption involving judges and uh, the adoption process in the country. We pray for wisdom for these extremely challenging situations. We pray for the church in Uganda, for the Lord to strengthen families and their desire to care for orphans. We pray for sound doctrine and for the church to thrive. We pray for pastors in Uganda. Um, we specifically pray for those pastors in and around Busega, as well as Pastor Raphael as he leads King Jesus Church. We pray for God's providence and protection in the homes that we work with. We pray for the directors and the nannies and the children, specifically for Miriam and Gerald and for Sunrise Baby Home and for um, birth families that poverty or special needs would not be a reason to abandon or place a child. We pray for uh, Attorney Isaac, for his health and spiritual well-being, for his discernment and stamina as he continues to work for the children of Uganda. We pray for Raphael and Alan and their four daughters for protection, for rest, and good family time as they minister to the community of Busega. We pray for the children at Busega Community School for the deaf and the blind and for the life skills school. We pray for Mutebi as he continues to adjust to life back in Busega. We pray for Mutebi's mother as Pastor and Alan have, have had some encouraging conversations. We praise the Lord for the construction of the brick pad is coming to an end. And we praise the family that our last family adopting from Uganda is back in the States on furlough and that their adoption is finalized. The Lord truly worked miracles in their process and we are truly grateful. We praise the Lord for how he's bringing more and more students to Busega Community School for the Deaf and the Blind and the Life Skills School. We praise the Lord that there are good teachers there, believers who have passion for orphan care and for these children. We also praise the Lord for the older kids at Busega School for the Deaf and the Blind who will attend the Deaf Vocational School. We praise the Lord for the well-being of all of those at King Jesus Church that is providing clean water to the surrounding community. We praise the Lord for the impact that King Jesus is having on the community around them. Let's pray to the Lord on behalf of the country of Uganda. Lord God, we place this country in the palm of your hand. We're thankful for the opportunity to be able to work there. We certainly pray for the government and for the judges, especially as they try to settle what's going on with the adoption process. Lord, we pray that a clear process would be made known so that children could be adopted, not just domestically, but internationally as well, as there is need and as there is an ability to meet that need. Father, we pray for the church to be strengthened, both in sound doctrine, but also in their ability to reach and care for orphans and vulnerable children. Lord, we just, even during this pandemic, we know that there has been less outside help and less believers who have gone to serve alongside. And we pray that even during this time that the church would be equipped and mobilized to do your work. Lord, we pray, just as we've seen in Ezekiel chapter 44, that they would be steadfast and movable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. Father, we pray for Pastor Raphael and Alan as he leads King Jesus Church. We pray for their daughters. We pray for protection and rest and family time. We just ask that you give wisdom to Pastor Raphael as he leads the church. And we pray that those church members would come to know the gospel and make the gospel known in their community. We pray for all of those homes that we've worked with that care for orphan and vulnerable children, that you would supply their needs, that you would give them what they need, that you would help them to, to truly reach out to those 
in need and to love on children. We pray that you would give them provision, providence, and protection. Lord, we pray as well for uh, Isaac, who is working in so many legal aspects for the betterment of children and for child welfare. We pray for his health and spiritual well-being, for his discernment and his stamina. And Father, we also pray for the, the school, the deaf and blind school and the life skills schools there in Busega community. We pray specifically for Mutebi, one of the young men, as he continues to adjust to life. He was in the United States for 18 months, uh, getting uh, the much needed medical care that he needed, and now he is adjusting back to life. And we pray for his mother, who's the witch doctor. Uh, we pray for encouraging conversations with her. We pray that she would turn her life away from the dark and into the light. We praise the Lord for all the things that are happening uh, at King Jesus Church, as well as at Busega School for the Deaf and the Blind. We pray that the children who need the ministry would come, that the families who need the ministry of the church would come, and we pray that both would be a light in the community, in this Muslim-dominated community for the hope of the gospel of Christ Jesus. And ultimately, Lord, we love you, and we know that you will do all these things according to your great power and your great name. We entrust our friends and our family in Uganda to you, and Lord, pray that you would act in such a way that it would be consistent to your name and would be, would be useful for the spread of your glory and your gospel throughout your God. Lord, we ask this in your great name, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study. Music